This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, good morning and happy Canada Day in advance, Charlie. Hey, I was going to say, that's a little precipitous. Uh, what's the word? Precipitous? <laughs> yes, that too. <laughs> early? <laughs> yeah, okay. We'll go for early. Much easier this time of day. Uh, oh, gorgeous boy. day, though. Oh, isn't and, it lovely? And I think there was like some horrendous torrential downpour last night. It yeah. is so soggy out there, but well, blue sky now. There were, there were puddles in the driveway on the I way out, there that's was. for sure. You were up to your axles and mud on your way out, I think. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say something else. Or from, uh, never mind. Uh, okay. We're off and running here. The Garden yes, Show indeed. with Charlie Dobbin. And uh, let me get you the phone And numbers. Franklin Proctor. Uh, thank you very much. Okay. In Toronto, give this number a call. 416-360-0740. And then anywhere else in the province, toll free. 1-866-740-740. Four seven forty, and we welcome in the operating room behind us there, Duncan, who is uh, being trained. You know, uh, we're like trained seals here. <laughs> uh, Sebastian is doing. We are. Training. Anyway, we trained each other. Yeah, actually, you trained me. You're the pro. Oh, oh well. Um, thank you. Very actually, much. you know, it's a good point. We're coming up to our eleventh anniversary. Yeah, sometime in, in July. Ten days, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe three weeks, yeah. Well, son of a gun. There you go. Well, I hope they're arranging I'm a big party for well us. well-trained <laughs> by Frank the Bro. <laughs> okay. What's on tap? There are oh, tons of stuff tons going on. Tons on tap, oh, as Lord, you yeah. know. This Tuesday, mm. July 2nd, so the day after Canada yep. Day, I will be at the Richmond Hill Garden and Horticultural Society meeting. That's at 7.30 p.m. And they meet at the McConaughey Senior Center, which is on Young Street, uh, 10 100 Young Street in Richmond Hill. Uh, the major intersection is just north of Major McKenzie on the west side of Young. My topic is gardening in a changing climate. Mm-hmm. Very uh, good topic, very popular. Uh, I went to a very cool thing on Thursday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. Uh, I took Elliot as my guest to the Toronto Botanical Gardens. They had a preview of their second annual Zim Sculpt. You were just showing me on the computer here uh, some of the pictures. And oh, my yeah. gosh, right describe, yeah, describe Wait, it. Where's my are. camera? There's the camera. For anybody okay. who's, there we go. <laughs> Perfect. So yeah. Zim Sculpt is um, a collection of sculptures oh. brought to Toronto placed in the gardens uh, by actually a couple who have been doing this for a number of years. They're from Zimbabwe and they work with Zimbabwe artists and they collect up all these beautiful sculptures mm-hmm. of all different sizes. So some you can hold in your hand. Some are like some are eight feet tall or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Very, very large. All of these are sculpted in Zimbabwe out of Zimbabwe materials and all by hand. Like there's mm-hmm. no big machinery used. It's all hand um, chipped away and, and there are sculptors on site who will be showing uh, in a tent. This uh-huh. goes on all summer, showing people how they do what they do. Uh, all the sculptures are for sale. Some of them are absolutely beautiful. You just want to you want to pet them. You just want to reach out and touch them. <laughs> There's one that you quickly uh, yeah, showed on, me. There was on the website, a huge yeah. bird. Yep. 
And wow, it is so oh, impressive. It's, yeah, it's it's so impressive and made out of different materials. Mm-hmm. So there's one that's, um, it was a cat. So it's a cat kind of looking backwards over its shoulder and it's made out of a stone called leopard stone. So oh. it's this two-tone stone. Very beautiful. Okay. So I'll win the lottery and I'll buy that one to put into my new garden. And, and as you know, Toronto Botanical Gardens is open all year round. There's no admission price. Zim Sculpt is part of the gardens now. Oh. So it's also open. So please enjoy if you can get a chance sometime in the next 10 weeks. Get out and take a look and just wander the gardens, um, admire the, the sculptors. There's a marketplace where you can buy different right. things. And there's guided walks every Saturday and Sunday, 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. And we're going to get one of the um, coordinators of this event to come on the show. Oh, great. So that'll be, mm. uh, we'll look forward to that in the f- future Saturday. So that's a fun thing to do. Um, so the Oro Medanti Horticultural Society is uh, hosting a summer garden tour. Good thing it's not today, because today it's probably crazy in that area. There is a big Rolling Stones concert going on in the Oro Medanti area. But on Sunday, July 14th, from 1230 to 430, uh, it'll be a drive yourself around, country mm-hmm. gardens, all created with love and inspired by passion. Advanced tickets are only $10. The day of the tour, they're 15 so get your t- ticket now from www.oromedontihorticulturalsociety.ca. And... Uh, and we get time for maybe one more. Well, week just, I'm just going to give you a little teaser on this. Have you ever heard <clears throat> of a gypsy moth? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. you have. And how come you've heard of them? Oh, I'm thinking of kitchen moth. Kitchen moth. <laughs> We're, we've been battling these damn Mo- little tiny, kitchen moths. Yeah, oh, the ones, they're, they're green, uh, green eaters. Yeah. All right, so gypsy moths, right now the larvae are out uh, in our trees, uh. chowing down on the trees. And you might remember last year, High Park got virtually defoliated by gypsy oh, moths. Right, that's where I remember it from. Yeah, and so they are, there is a, a program that City of Toronto has launched this year to spray certain areas mm-hmm. to control them. And they should be spraying right around now because the crazy thing is, for the first time in my 25 years in Richmond Hill, I have personally squished about a dozen gypsy moths oh. in my backyard. Yikes. Like gypsy moth larvae, so little caterpillars. Yeah. Uh, so I can tell you more about what they look like so everybody's got to be on the lookout for these things and squish them all you can okay you don't want them growing into adults and laying eggs there there's the word there it is from charlie and That's... more words from charlie <laughs> in moments here's we take a break on the garden show from zoomer radio am 740 96.7 fm in downtown toronto fur and feathers and bugs of all size there's more going on in the garden than you realize should small creatures become a big problem then you've got the garden show with charlie dobbin exclusively on zoomer radio okay charlie we're joined right off the top here by brenda calling in from dundas ontario good morning brenda oh good morning both um i'm just asking about a hell bar yeah um, I've had her for about four or five years. Mm-hmm. She's in deep shade, mm-hmm. and she hasn't spread at all. She's very good, very healthy. And I thought maybe I would move her, and I don't know when or if I can. What do you think? Well, okay, so you want to move her because you want her to get bigger. I want to get her a bit bigger, yeah, and a few more flowers on her maybe. Uh, so the deep shade, is it provided by evergreens or a house? It or has f- a huge old cedar right oh, okay. above it. So it's permanent shade, okay. Because yeah. I find that one of the things that works well with hellebores on my property is they're in the shade in the summer, but they're near deciduous trees. So they do get sun and a certain amount of light early in the season. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the trees leaf out. Now they're in the shade for the, for the summer. Because they do want that cool, shady location in the heat of the summer. Otherwise, they're just going to shrivel up and die. Well, that's funny. 
Charlie, because the other day I was walking around the neighborhood and there was a hell bar with a lot of little ones all around it. Mm-hmm. And it was facing west. Yeah, so it's in a bright spot. Yeah, how come? Yeah, well, there are different varieties. So, I mean, oh. so, and, and some will, it's like hostas, right? There are some hostas that will handle the sun and some that will just shrivel up and die if, if they're in the oh. sun. So, oh, okay. I mean, if you wanted to move it into a slightly more uh, sunny spot, particularly early morning sun, eastern sun is a much gentler sun than a western sun. So if you mm-hmm. can do that kind of a move, you could do that. When is the best time? Yeah. Good question. I'd probably try and do any moving of a hellebore in the fall. Okay. So wait till September. Try to move it uh, six to eight weeks before the first cold, you know, serious yeah. frost. It, it it flowers very early in the yeah. season, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, yeah they're beautiful. And if, if I move it, it would have uh, it would still have a little bit of cedar overhang. That's fine. I mean, it, it's off. They do like a fairly acidic soil. They like a very um, lot of uh, organic matter. They like a you know deep fertile not not so much fertile, but a deep. Um, moisture-retaining soil. Yeah, yeah, it does uh, have a lot of that. It's surrounded by vinca. Oh, good. Yeah, and good. Droppings from the fir trees all around. Yeah, lovely, lovely right, plants so, in the spring. Oh, so thank you, Charlie. So I wait till to wait till later in the summer, like early early fall. Early fall. All okay. right. Thank you. Thanks, you're welcome. Brenda. Thanks for calling. Right. And you're listening to the Garden Show from Zoomer Radio with Charlie Dobbin, who now is going to be introduced. Oh, we'll bolt to Bolton, and there is Emma. <laughs> good morning, Emma. Yes, good morning. Good morning. I'd, I'd just like to know if um, if it's too late to uh, fertilize my lawn. No, of course not. No, it's no? not too late at all. It's still, I mean, it's summer, but you could still use a spring fertilizer. Uh, oh, okay. the, the lawns were so happy with all that rain. Most of us didn't think we needed to do any fertilizer because mm. they were so green. But right. but that rain, all that water does wash nutrient away. So our, our lawns are going to are starting to look more of a pale green now as we get into summer. Right, that's what's happening exactly, yeah. So, so a little fertilizer now will green them back up, but it's also going to mean you're going to be out mowing every three to four days, so keep that oh, in mind. Oh, that's okay. My husband's got lots of time. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Give him a job. So easy to volunteer other people, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> but, been... uh, what's the best? Um, can you suggest any? Volunteer. You know, organic, that's the best. Oh, uh, good question. Sure. I've daughter visiting with kids and a dog. <laughs> sure. Um, so in Bolton, where would you shop typically? In the country. No, I know where Bolton is. But are, yeah, we have, um, well, we have Home Depot, we have the Canadian Tire, we have uh, uh, Glen Echo, not too far. Yeah, so all of them will carry, because one of the more popular fertilizers out there is Turf Builder, made by Scott's. Oh, okay. And does Scott's have an organic is a good question. I'm just looking this up. They might. Mm. Yeah, I'd like to know that, because I have I have heard a lot about Scott's. Yeah, I mean, Scott's makes very good fertilizer. Uh, they, uh, You'd have to double-check at the store. If it's, if you don't find a Scott's organic, they'll have something. They'll definitely... Because mm-hmm. I've read that um, uh, bone meal is okay, but well, I don't know how good it is for lawn. <laughs> yeah, no, bone meal is okay, but remember, all bone meal is is ground-up bones. So right. it is virtually pure phosphorus. So. Uh, Phosphorus okay. is good, but you lawns want nitrogen. So oh, yeah. remember your mm. fertilizer, your three numbers in your fertilizer are the NPK, so nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium. Mm-hmm. So okay. uh, I mean, right. back in the old days, a traditional lawn fertilizer for the spring was 2177. So three times as much nitrogen as the phosphorus and the potassium. So do not just put bone meal on your lawn. You will regret it. It won't, okay. won't turn all green right, at all. Thank <laughs> okay. You know that. <laughs> okay. okay, thank you very much. Thank You're you, welcome. Emma. Uh, we've got folks lined up here in the, uh, on the 
call board, but mm-hmm. let me give the numbers one more time. We have to take a little bit of a break here. Uh, 416-360-0740 for Toronto customers. Customers. Customers, I love Lord. it. <laughs> and, and, where did I go with that? Uh, anywhere in the province, it's toll free to all the customers out there. one 740 4740 Back in just but a Oh, yes. Remember, call early, call oh, often. Oh, yeah. One question per call. And if you're a first-time caller. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot my... Duncan, tell Duncan you're a first-time caller. Yeah, Frank's right. got his bell. Thank you for reminding me. That. Welcoming wings. Oh, it's enough. She does enough of her own. She has to do my job, too. It's embarrassing. <laughs> totally embarrassing. <laughs> Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yeah, my friends, you've just joined Charlie and Frank as we get set to hike off to Hagersville and <laughs> greet Anne. Good morning, Anne. Welcome to the you show. You and your alliteration. Good morning, Anne. Good morning to both of you. Happy Canada Day. <laughs> thank, well, thank you. you. Uh, I'm calling to find out if we can get in southern Ontario a variety of dogwood shrub called Silky dogwood. Oh, silk. It turns red in the late fall and has color for the winter, but apparently it's more resistant to the usual problems that you have with dogwoods. But it's called silky dogwood. Hmm. Yeah. Now, uh, I saw in brackets where it said uh, uh, the genus Cornus Amomen hmm. Mill, period, whatever that stands for. Uh, silky dogwood is, I'm just doing this quickly. Kinnikinnik, species of dogwood native. Okay, but that's a ground cover. Hold on. Oh, no, not the one oh. I, I, that I saw oh, written no. up. And then there's a cornice oblique. Okay, what's this one? I wonder if that's it. That might be it. Uh, okay, so, uh, under a website called Ontario Trees and Shrubs. Silky dogwood, cornus oblique. Uh, uh, similar species are red osier flowers, summer, white, wet. It does well in wet areas, shrubs. Uh, it's a native. All the dogwoods are native. They're gorgeous. Uh, this one particularly is tolerating wet, swampy ground. Uh, like I, what I'm looking for. Is that sound? Do you have a wet spot you're trying to put something in? Well, you know, we have that. Haldeman clay, which is like soup when it rains, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. and it's like concrete when it's dry, oh, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Well, the silky dogwood or cornice, obl- uh, sorry, this one, well, so, okay, so silky dogwood or cornice, which is dogwood, oblique, which is this particular species, does have a fairly red bark, so not quite as red as the, the traditional red osier dogwood, but it does have reddish-brownish bark, so that would be very pretty in the winter. Green leaves all summer, very beautiful flowers, and as usual, most dogwoods do get a very a good fall color. can be on the orange end of the spectrum, or the red, uh, even a bit of burgundy in the leaves, and almost all of them get berries, which is very supportive of the wildlife. Oh, so, that's yeah. Perfect for my yard in the wintertime. Yeah, they're very, I love a dogwood. So, your question is can you get that plant? Now, that's a good question. Um, mm-hmm. In your local area, 
You would probably, I'm trying to think where you would be shopping. So I can go, I can go up to Waterdown if I have to, or Stony Creek. You know, I don't mind traveling. I'll find what I need. Yeah. So, I mean, what I would do is I would give Tara Greenhouses a call, see if they carry silky dogwood or a rendition thereof. Some dogwoods are more susceptible, as you point out, to some of the fungal diseases. Mm -hmm. They get spots on them when we get a lot of rain. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, dogwoods are super tough and very, able to withstand our conditions because they are native. Now, uh, that sounds like what I'm looking for. Thank you for your help. You're very welcome. I sent two pictures to you of the Norway spruce trees that you advised me to put in in this Haldeman clay, and they're doing well. Nice. Oh, good stuff. Thank you. Appreciate Thanks, the pictures. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks so much, Anne. Bye-bye. Have a, have a Bye. great weekend and again, uh, happy, happy Canada yeah, Day happy in Canada. advance. Okay. Uh, I'm going to uh, switch Tack here, just a tad. Um, we're we're going off to uh, let's see. Uh, no. I'll, I'll pontificate about Port Hope. <laughs> uh, why I'm why I'm I want to recommend something uh, uh, a spot mm-hmm. that is two about two miles or two kilometers north of Port Hope on Highway 28. It's called Primitive Designs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm sure that Marie, who is on the line from Port Hope, uh, calling in from Port Hope, might have heard of that. She but might it's work a there fabulous for all you know. place. Google it. And, and, but when you're in that area, go there. It's Primitive it's Designs. It's a destination. All, yeah, it's all sorts of it's the robot unbelieva- place. Yeah, unbelievable uh, things. Um, <laughs> like, I can't go on. From all over the world. Like, yeah. like, like really unusual, yeah. unique. Yeah, exactly. Not your run-of-the-mill yeah. store. Oh, my Lord, no. <laughs> Okay, Marie, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, and I have been there, and it is a great job place to go shopping. Yeah, good stuff. A little of everything. Yep. Okay. okay my, my question today is, <clears throat> my neighbor and I paint our, planted our lilac bushes about the same time, eight to ten years ago. Mm. I prune my dead Mm. Uh, flowers off every year. She has never done hers. Mm. My tree now, or bush, is not getting as many flowers as hers. It, hers looks every bit as healthy, if not healthier. And she's got loads of flowers. And she says to me, and I never touch mine. She does nothing. To hate now, that. why is that? <laughs> is it possible that hers is getting more sun than yours? No, they're both exactly in the same areas. They're almost side by side. And there's no tree that's grown bigger around yours, causing a little more shade? Okay, there are little trees. There's small um, uh, something, service berries. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But they're small. Yes, they're not. My husband and I would prune ours back so that it didn't grow up into these little trees. But she's got them. These lilac bushes are right in between. There's three service berries, and hers and mine are right in between the service berry trees. So she's getting almost identical type of light. Okay, so tell me, you said you prune the dead flowers away. And roughly what time of year do you do that? After they, right now, they've gone to seed. So we would go out and pluck them all off. Okay, good. So, very okay, is she sneaking some fertilizer on maybe when you're not watching? <laughs> no, no. 
I hope she's not listening. She's not a gardener, and she she will say that she's not a gardener. No, she doesn't do any of those things. She just leaves hers alone, and they seem to be thriving. Really well. I know. So um, it's maybe it's oh. okay. Uh, so here's what it could be. Sometimes we can take two identical plants, and I've had this happen where I buy two identical perennial plants, plant mm-hmm. them side by side, so same genus, same species, two separate pots, same you know bought mm-hmm. from the same store at the same time. Plant right. them side by side, you know, a foot apart. One thrives and one doesn't do anything. It just sits there. And you're I like, can what? Understand that, yeah. Yeah, why is that happening? So well, I just like, put it down to it I being... I just determined I'm not going out there and doing all that work <laughs> when hers looks as good as mine does, if not I better. Know. Well, it could. Sometimes just some plants are just bum plants. Now, yours sounds like it's fine. It's it, Hers is just that much better. So yeah. I would talk to yours. I'd say, look, in the competition of life, you're going to have to step up and notice what your sister's doing there and get to it and, and just maybe stop coddling it. Uh, don't fertilize. Don't do anything like that. Also, that's the other thing. Maybe if your husband fertilizes the lawn, lawn fertilizer could be affecting yours uh, and limiting flower formation, uh-huh. If particularly if your neighbor is not fertilizing her lawn. Because lawn fertilizer is all that nitrogen, remember? And right. nitrogen uh, promotes green growth. Right. For lawns, that's good. But for lilacs, that's a bunch of leaves. Right. So uh-huh. it could be something like that, too. Okay. So um, what if I just leave... I leave the uh, seeded. Yeah, you could on this for a year. See, see what happens. And like I said, if your husband is out fertilizing, tell him to have a really wide swath away from the lilacs. Okay. All right. Okay. I'll Let me know next year how but this. I'm not going to go to all the trouble <laughs> no. of, of pruning it all to find out it's not any better the next season. So it won't do it any great harm if I just let it do no, its no. own natural thing. Not at all. No. Yeah, not okay. at all. So I, report why they, back. Why do they tell you to do that though? It's very well, important because you know it's it's seeding itself and that's taking health yeah. away from it or whatever. Well, technically, energy is going into seeds that you're never going to grow. So technically, the the plant should grow slow in terms of roots and stems and leaves because energy is going into seeds. Okay, and at this point, I would like it to be a bit slower because yeah. it's growing up into the little service berry there trees. Yeah. Okay. Okay, right. so I'm right. going to leave it then. Good okay. luck with that. Let us know next year how that works out, Marie. Okay, thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye, bye-bye now. <laughs> All righty, um, off to Oakville, and there's Marlene. Hey, Marlene, good morning. Welcome to the show. Hello, Marlene. Hello. Good morning. Yeah. Hello. Good morning. Um, I have um, I have an orchid that was given to me a number of years ago, and it obviously it obviously likes the spot where I have it because it's blooming, and it's shooting another arm, and it's shooting out another two roots. There are three already hanging out. <laughs> That's good. So. Um, what do I do? I think the poor thing will need a, a new pot, a bigger pot or something. Well, keep in mind, those roots on the surface are completely normal. The, the roots that shoot out over the top of the, the whatever media that orchid is growing in are completely natural and normal. Oh, I know that. I, yeah. I understand that. Okay. I'm not a good gardener, yeah. indoor out, or outdoor, yeah. but... Um, my question is, I think I probably will have to give it a bigger pot at one point. Yeah, and uh, I don't know when uh, when it's a good time to do it. And also, what do I use? Not soil or anything, no, right? No, definitely not soil. So what I would do, there's a couple options here. The one that comes to mind is if you could wait 
It's June now. Wait till next Valentine's Day, so February. Mm-hmm. The very large, very, very educational Southern Ontario Orchid Society show happens every uh, Valentine's Day, whatever weekend is close in the middle of February. And at that show at the Toronto Botanical Gardens, you can speak to the experts, buy what you need in terms of Orchid pots, orchid substrates, different media is there mm-hmm. to purchase. You can get all kinds of information from people who are serious orchid growers on how to properly transplant an orchid, if you could wait that long. Oh, well, if you think I can wait that long, because like, like I said, it looks yeah. it's hanging over... <laughs> Leaning, but obviously it is quite happy. Yeah, it sounds like it is. I mean, what I I do use little um stakes. Yeah, uh, typically they're very they're very very thin, uh, sort of quite sturdy metal. Uh, you know, not a big bamboo stake, yep. but yeah, very skinny little stakes, and yeah. they support. And exactly, you, I clip I, the I flower have, stems onto yeah. those stakes to keep them upright. I have already done some supporting. So another thing, I should just leave it at the moment and to. Um, transplanted then is does it have to be when it has no flowers yeah, or that's, anything? That's what I would say. See, that's the thing. When a plant is flowering, it's not the optimal time to no, transplant. No, that's what I was actually thinking. Yeah, yeah. so and if, if it's flowering now and shooting up another flower stem, I'd be inclined to just wait. It's obviously happy. Wait, continue doing what you're doing because you're doing something very right. And it, I think you'll find it may slow down in its flowering as we get into the dark days yeah. of uh, uh, of winter. And then you'd be in a perfect position to get out to that Orchid Society uh, event. And if not... Um, um, there, you know, there's always stuff going on. You're in the Oakville area. The Oakville's got a horticultural yeah. society. You can maybe connect with them. If yeah. you if you like going onto the internet, there's wonderful information on the web about how to transplant orchids. There's YouTube videos, all kinds of stuff out there. All, all right. Thank all you right. very, very much for You're your welcome. help. Yeah. Or the I local have, library. I, had, I have to laugh because you said you're doing obviously something right. Because I'm not doing anything. (laughs) (laughs) So often that's the case. That's the best thing. Little neglect goes a long way sometimes. Yeah. Thanks, Marlene. Thank you so much for calling. Uh, We're going to come back in just a couple of moments. Uh, We have to take a break now. But when we come back, I know that Charlie wants to deal with a particular email. I got a couple here I want to talk to. All right. So, and then, but but Martin, Gail, and Eileen, we will get to you. Keep hanging on, okay? You're tuned to The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All righty, Charlie. Uh, we're going to have to, uh, have you deal with uh, an email or two here, okay? All righty. Uh, the reason why I want to deal with these, these are mailed into me at the station, but they're good questions and they need to be addressed because I'm, I'm sure there's other people out there with the same questions. So Darlene from Etobicoke writes to say that her and her husband purchased a lovely sunburst honey locust, which mm-hmm. is a tree, uh, not huge, only about six feet high, planted in the backyard this past spring. They used a transplant solution suggested by the nursery and Followed all the instructions. The tree is doing very, very well. Uh, it loves the rain. It loves its new, beautiful location. So the tree came tied to a bamboo pole. Now, her and her husband are wondering whether that pole should be removed now or this summer or next year, because like she says, we know that a tree needs to grow on its own supporting roots and it should be left tied to a supporting pole for a long period of time. How long? 
Here's the scoop. Depending on how much wind this tree is going to be subjected to, in Etobicoke, lots and lots of houses, big trees, likely this tree is in a quite a sheltered location where there's not a lot of big buffeting winds. Mm. So that bamboo pole it was really only when it was in the pot in the nursery t- to help it grow straight up. Now that it's in your garden, you could take the pole out today or you could wait until next spring. And that way, just leave it with that pole in so that it goes through the first winter. The, we, the reason we like to stabilize a tree for its first year is when the wind buffets the top portion of the tree, mm-hmm. we do not want the root ball to move. We love the stem to move. That's the best thing in the world is to have the stem bending in the wind because it makes it much stronger. But when the roots move, so they're trying to, you know, grow out into the ground. Mm-hmm. Not yet but, established. Really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we start getting that rocking back and forth of the root ball. Mm-hmm. Any of those new little roots that have grown out get broken in that process. So if the root ball is stable, that's all that really matters. The tree can wave and, and do its thing in the wind. So you can tell better than I can, Dar- Darlene, how much wind this tree is being exposed to. If it's a very protected location, I would just take the stake away right now today. Otherwise, I'd leave it, but next spring at the absolute latest, yeah. get the stake out of there. Okay. Okay. Uh, now, uh, Martin, who has been very patient waiting on that line from Brampton. Good morning, Martin. Welcome to the show. Oh, good morning. Good morning. Um, I'm calling on behalf of my landlady. She's an octogenarian. Okay. We have a Rose of Sharon outside that I'm standing here looking at right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's only a few buds on the tree. Mm. Looks pretty much dead. Is it a pretty old Rose of Sharon? Well, I've been here seven years, and uh, it's been growing pretty good every year. Mm-hmm. Well, really we, so look down at the the main trunk, the at ground level. How big around would you say it is? Well, there's, uh, there's like one, two, three, four, four roots. Like right. it's got to be like well, twelve inches with all the roots together in there. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's been there for a long, long time. So Rose of Sharon is a Zone Five plant in Brampton. Uh, Gardening is taking place typically in zone five. So what that means is that Rose of Sharon can grow very, very well for years and years and years, and then suddenly one year not survive winter. And it can be the kind of winter we have. It can be the age of the plant. Um, it can be, you know, a bunch of things that are a little hard to, to ascertain right away, you know, off the top of my head. But even something silly like construction in the area five years ago can affect a Rose of Sharon today. Oh, okay, but... I was going to say, if you do see some life in it, what I would do is get out my big pruners, loppers, and cut that plant back. You'll probably find if you cut it back, preferably sooner than later, uh, even bring, like, is it about six or eight feet tall right now, or how tall is it? Yeah, it's about eight feet tall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you see the little bit bits of green on it, where are they? Are they out on the tips, or is the green down lower? Uh, a little bit lower, about medium. Um, nothing on the top. Okay, but but the uh, the green things they're sporadic all around the plant. It's yeah. just, it's still there's no flowers there. Oh, the fl- don't expect flowers yet. Flowers come later in the summer. But if you do have a, some sharp loppers or pruners, I would take off all that top growth on each branch down to where there's some green growth. So a little bud that's fat and juicy or a leaf, bring it down. And by bringing that plant down by about a third, what will happen is that will force the growth because there's energy in the, in the plant at the base, in the root mm-hmm. and the stem. So it's getting those carbohydrates to actually produce leaves, which they will do under um, good conditions. So okay. taking away the dud stuff can really make a difference and promote some growth. 
So it's about eight feet now. Uh, well, I'm six, I'm five feet today. Uh, mm-hmm. About eight feet. So if I trim two feet off of the top, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Nice clean. It's growing because it is growing. There are yeah. green things. On oh, there it. you go. Yeah, just yeah, make sure these pruners are sharp and it's a nice dry day like today and make nice clean cuts. Okay. 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 All righty, Martin. Thanks, Martin. Thank thanks you very for, much. Thanks, thanks for the tour of your property or your landlady's property. Yeah, I was going to say thank you on behalf of your landlady. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, let's see here. Oh, uh, your stomping grounds, Richmond Hill. There's uh, Gail. Yes. Hey, Gail, good morning. Hello, how are you? Fine, thank good you. Good morning. Good morning. I also have a question about a Rose of Sharon. Mm-hmm. Um, we put up a shed last year, and the, sh- and the Rose of Sharon was interfering with being able to open one of the doors. It's a double door. Mm-hmm. So my husband decided to prune it back, and he pruned it up the side across the top. It is leafing. The leaves are mostly on the outside. There are leaves at the bottom, mm-hmm. but there's a whole section in the middle that has no leaves at all. It just looks like dead wood. If I take that out, it's going to leave a great big, huge hole mm-hmm. in but the tree. But should I take it out? I would take it if it, if it, so you'll know it's dead by starting to, you can do one thing, scratch very lightly with your thumbnail on the bark on what appears to be dead mm-hmm. and, and see what's under the, just that first little layer of bark. So just a little tiny spot. If it's green and slippery and shiny, it is alive. Okay. So you wouldn't have to remove it all. All you would need to do is just as I was saying to Martin, it's that taking the, about a third off the top of what appears to be dead, though is likely just still dormant mm-hmm. branches. Take that third away, and all of a sudden, it will promote bud break and leaves. Oh, great. Thank um, so you, because that's it's what a gorgeous I would do. tree. Yeah, yeah it's it is. a gorgeous tree. But it's probably responding to what it sounds like your husband did to it last year by trying to manipulate the tree <laughs> so, so that the shed door would open. So keep that in mind that when you are pruning it this year, keep in mind where it's going to grow so that it doesn't end up interfering with the shed and you end up having to prune it again before it really starts to flower in August. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. You've been very helpful. <laughs> My okay, pleasure. Thank, thank you, Gil. Day. Yeah, happy Canada Day well, to one and all. Um, we have to take another little break here, and we'll come too back. Too many breaks. I know. <laughs> but got too you know, many people on the line. I got email. I like, know, what? I know. We'll, uh, we'll deal with one more email okay. when we come back, okay? <laughs> okay. That'll keep, that'll keep her happy. Yeah. Thank you. And that's what I've got to be concerned with. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to The Garden Show with Charlie Doppin on Zoomer Radio. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. So, Charlie, just before we check in with Eileen in Newcastle, uh, that uh, email that you're anxious to read. Yes, another email, because again, another good question that I think other people listening might be interested to hear about. This is from Steve Hoy. He's writing from Glanbrook, which is, he lives at the top of the Hamilton Mountains, and he has a dilemma. He's got six different clematis vines on his property, but uh, three is three on either side of his south-facing very sunny patio. The question is, why are some flowering and others are full of leaves but no flowers? So on the west side, two have a bunch of flowers and are superb. However, the middle one planted, uh, he goes on about some details here. So uh, so this is the whole thing about why do some clematis bloom and others don't? The answer to your question, Steve Hoy, and to others that might be listening is there are many kinds of clematis. There are spring flowering, there are summer flowering, and there are fall or autumn flowering clematis. So they, not all clematis are those flat 
flowers that often we see them, they're purple and the most classic clematis we see everywhere is the one called Jack Manny. Mm. That is a summer flowering clematis. It blooms on new wood. So with the summer flowers like Jack Manny, big flat flowers, we cut them down in the spring to about six inches tall. And in the spring, all that new growth comes up and the flowers form on the new growth. However, spring flowering clematis, which often have little bells that hang from them mm-hmm. and not the big flat flowers, they, because they're blooming so early in the season, they're blooming on last year's growth. Oh. So if we prune those in the spring, then we would never see flowers on them ever. So we always wait and, and prune them after they've bloomed. So they bloom in the spring, we prune them in the summer or late spring and leave them alone till the following year. Then there's the fall flowering. So same kind of thing as the summer flowering they're going to bloom on this year's growth so it's all it is a, a you can do a fairly hard pruning in the spring if you wish to but you don't necessarily have to then to even throw things another loop is there are some that will bloom more than once they'll bloom early summer and late summer bottom line steve and to those of you who are listening what you need if you're keen to grow clematis and you want to know more and more about them get a hold of a book by a very very famous clematis grower named raymond evison so raymond um middle initial is j last name evison e v i s o n he has written the definitive books on clematis the gardener's guide to growing clematis was written in 1998 it is absolutely excellent nothing has changed but there are uh, also mm-hmm. updated versions. I'm looking on Amazon. You can get a paperback copy for only $8. That's what I suggest. If you're really, really keen, you want more information, get a hold of this book okay. and keep it on your library shelf. Okay. Okay. With that. Now, no. here's my lecture on clematis. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Eileen, Newcastle. Good morning. Oh, hello. Good morning. Oh, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Our yeah, pleasure. Um, my daughter gave me... Um, plant, um, I'm not sure if it's indoor or outdoor, that's what, it's called a goshiki, oh. it's like a small, it has a leaf like um, holly, and it's variegated, oh. and um, could be holly got, uh, right now it has a lot of these brown tips, and she gave it to me to doctor it, but I'm not sure if I'm doing the right thing <laughs> <laughs> that was nice of her <laughs> yeah. so I looked on the internet and it sort of said that it has does have flowers on it uh, so, and you know it's a gashiki because it's got a, a tag on it that says that? Yeah, when, when she bought, I did put it in a bigger pot because I thought it was maybe outdoors, so maybe I should yeah. put it in a bigger pot. It was in a four-inch pot. Okay, maybe. so you're right. Just looking quickly on the web. Oh, you know what? I have seen this plant. It is called false holly, so it does look a lot like holly. Yeah. Um, all right, it, it will not survive the winter. Uh, in your, uh, here in Ontario, outside. Okay. So that's probably the challenge. Did she, was she given it as a gift or something in the wintertime and then it wasn't doing well? No, and- I think she just bought it not that long ago at, um, at a garden center. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you would treat it like holly. So part sun, part shade, keep it moist. Um, if you want to try and keep it alive in the winter, though, you will have to bring, I would bring it in for the winter. Yeah. It'd probably be a little tricky to keep alive, though, just because it seems like it's a bit of a, a picky plant. Not to mention prickly, um, but it's because yeah. it's going to want a fairly good humidity, which we don't typically have in our mm-hmm. homes in the winter. Right. So that would be the challenge. If you do bring it in, though, I would make it a pebble tray 
So that's that tray with pebbles. The pot sits on top of the pebbles and water is always in the tray below, okay. evaporating around the plant, keeping the humidity up around the plant. Um, if you're finding a lot of brown tips, don't hesitate to prune out black or brown on the plant. Do fertilize it, uh, encourage new growth because that's what's most beautiful about this plant is it's multicolors, particularly the new growth. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Very good. We'll work on it. <laughs> so, so I should put it outside now in this yeah. bigger pot, or definitely or? put it outside for the summer. Uh, how big a pot is it in now? Um, I would say it's uh, eight inch. Uh, depending on the how big's the plant. Oh, it's very small. <laughs> oh yeah, don't put it in a bigger pot. If anything, and that might be part of the problem is it's shock because it's in too big a pot. Put it back in the three inch or, or not? We'll just oh, it was in a three inch. Okay, so yeah, you know what? I, or four inch, yeah. So never go four to eight, go four to six. So oh, okay. if you could take it out of the eight inch, go back to a six inch, give it some fertilizer, give it some morning sun, and, and it should do fine for the summer. Just bring it in in September. Maybe it is six inch. I'm trying to measure it. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll let you go while you measure that. Yep. And, uh, and that's, yeah, just remember, don't jump your pot sizes too radically. Oh, okay, right. All okay. right. Thanks, Eileen. So we'll, we'll leave it like that then if it's the six inch. Yep. And it's, yep. so, it's okay outside, part yep. sun, part shade. Yep. Um, okay, well, I'll just keep at it. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Uh, a special note to Duncan and uh, Sebastian in the I control room there. I don't see Sebastian. I think Duncan's uh, on okay, his own. Duncan. He's doing a great back, job. If you want to get back on the line with Marianne, who's calling in from Niagara Falls, she's a first-time caller. We're not going to be able to get to you, but please give us your phone number. I'll call you next week to put you first on oh. the show. And also and, look, uh, Devin we have, and Pickering. We have, yeah, we have uh, Suzanne uh, on the line right now. Very quickly, Suzanne, <laughs> if you can. <laughs> Thank you. Good morning. Yes, morning. Charlie and Frank. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'd like to know, is there such a thing as a shade-loving floral ground cover? Um, yeah, there's, well, there's three come to mind. One yeah. is super vigorous. You might regret planting it. It's called periwinkle. Periwinkle. Periwinkle is considered an invasive plant, gets periwinkle blue flowers in the spring. Yeah, I have those, yes. Okay, there's something called a uh, sweet woodruff. Sweet, sweet wood, woodruff, yeah. Does very well in the shade, gets white, uh, fragrant flowers again in spring, late spring. And how mm. high does the, the woodruff uh, grow? About, about two centimeters tall. Fine. Um, they, another one that grows more like four or five centimeters tall is called Pachysandra. P- oh, I ha- yeah, we have some of those, yeah. yeah. They bloom as well with white flowers. And one that a lot of people love is Lamium. L-A-M-I-U-M. Lamium. L-A-M-I-U-M, yeah, yes. Multicolored leaves and comes with white flowers or pink flowers and is blooming right now but a little taller than the others and we got to go yeah. thanks okay, for calling thank suzanne so <laughs> all right thank you whoa, whoa. seconds <clears throat> where the heck did that i go, know huh? it's been fun though yep thank you frank thank you charlie couldn't do it without you couldn't do it without duncan and particularly all these great callers listen to the podcast if this all went too fast i'm on am 740 go to the garden show listen anytime thanks everybody see you again happy canada day next week This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.